This episode of the Fit Cooking Nutrition Podcast is brought to you by Inside Tracker. To get 20% off of your Inside Tracker lab purchase, visit insidetracker.com slash fitcookie or the link in the show notes. Hello, my friends. This is Holly Samuel, and I am your podcast host today. And I am also a registered dietitian, personal trainer, master of health education and eating disorders, and CEO of Fit Cookie Nutrition and the Fit Cookie Nutrition podcast. And welcome to the show today. We are going to continue our micronutrient series. I've gotten so many messages from you guys loving these episodes and that they've just helped empower you with more knowledge on tackling your health and just knowing like what to ask when you go to appointments for your health um, to check up on things. So I'm really glad that you've been enjoying this. Um, If you have been, pause this episode. And if you could just go to the podcast um, and leave me a five-star rating and review I would so, so appreciate that. It just helps the show so much um, and helps get this information to more people. These episodes take hours um, to, you know, kind of research and and organize and um, construct between me and my Fit Cookie interns help. Um, so I just really appreciate you going to give the show a rating and review. Now let's dive into today's micronutrient which is magnesium. Um, And I think I say this in every episode, but I have a lot to say on this one too. So this might be a little bit longer than the initial short episodes I was thinking of, because I don't know, I want to give you guys information so that you really feel like there's no stone left unturned. Um, So let's dive right into magnesium. So what is magnesium? Magnesium is actually the fourth most abundant mineral in our body. Um, So it's not a vitamin, but it is a mineral, kind of like um, iron, when I talked about iron in that episode. Magnesium does a lot for us. It is a cofactor in more than 300 uh, reactions and enzyme systems in the body. And it basically combines as a magnesium ion um, with ATP to form magnesium ATP. So basically, it forms this complex that is used in most energy reactions, um, or I'm sorry, used for energy as a result of reactions um, throughout the body. So magnesium is like super popular in the body, basically. It knows everyone, it goes to every party, (laughs) um, and it gets around. So in terms of like some functions that it does, um, it's really hard to narrow down key functions of magnesium because it's literally all over the place. So to summarize, it is involved in protein synthesis and not just like in, you know, muscle tissues, but when we think of enzymes or, you know, any carrier throughout the body, a lot of those are made of protein. So magnesium helps create other things that help create and do things <laughs> throughout the body. It also is involved in muscle and nerve function, which is where we're going to spend a lot of time talking during this episode as it relates to runners and athletes. Basically, magnesium helps act as an active transporter of calcium and potassium um, across cell membranes. So magnesium also functions as an electrolyte, um, which is why I definitely want to talk about it today as it pertains to runners. It's also involved in blood glucose control or blood sugar control and glycolysis, which is also important for runners because as you've probably heard me talk about in the past, glucose, super important, um, you know, main key 
nugget of energy <laughs> that we get from food and use for energy involved in glycogen and aerobic fitness. So um, magnesium is involved in that as well. It's also involved in blood pressure regulation, which can also kind of be related to um, it acting as an electrolyte. And it's also in the structural development of our bones. So magnesium is a mineral um, and like calcium and other minerals and vitamins, it is involved in the development of our bones. And actually adults have about 25 grams of magnesium in our bodies at all times, which that's like a, that's a lot. <laughs> when we talk about like the recommended daily amounts of magnesium, we're talking about milligrams. Um, so for our bodies to have like 25 grams in them is a lot of magnesium. And that's because there is quite a bit of magnesium in our bones and our bones, um, you know, take up a lot of our body. So essentially about 50 to 60% of magnesium in our body is in our bones. Um, and almost the rest of it is in our soft tissues. Not a ton of magnesium exists in our blood. So when I talk about how to test for magnesium deficiencies or just, you know, your magnesium status in general, I'll kind of talk about how that can be like kind of tough <laughs> um, since we can't just, you know, take bone samples necessarily. Um, so having good bone health can be one way to measure, you know, your mineral status, but um, like through bone density tests, but we'll talk more about testing in a bit. Magnesium is also required for energy production, oxidative phosphorylation, glycolysis, synthesis of DNA and RNA, and also the antioxidant glutathione. So basically, <laughs> that's to basically summarize that magnesium is involved in so many reactions throughout the body, um, and it really is a key mineral. That's why the, it's the fourth most abundant in the human body. So naturally, you're probably thinking, okay, if it's that important for just humans in general, that must mean that, yeah, as a runner, it's probably going to be even more important for me because if you're hearing things like bones, muscle contractions, and, you know, heart health and blood pressure, yeah, <laughs> runners, you know, all of that's super relevant to us. So you're probably thinking, cool, magnesium, it's important. How much do I need to get in a day? So the RDA um, or recommended daily amount, as you probably heard me say in all of these episodes so far, has been established for magnesium and it ranges quite a bit. So for female adults, um, it ranges between 310 and 320 milligrams if you are between um, 19 and basically older than 51 years old. So for all female adults across the lifespan, um, if you are lactating, if you're breastfeeding, um, it is the same. And if you are pregnant, you want to add about 40 milligrams more on top of that. For males um, between, again, 19 and 50 years old, and even over 50 years old, the um, range is going to be 400 to 420 milligrams. Um, so basically, you know, how I like to break it down is, you know, if you are essentially, you know, a sedentary person, this is your starting point. Um, and if you are someone who menstruates, you need between 310 and 320 milligrams per day of magnesium if you are an adult. Um, and if you are not someone who menstruates and it is not related to having period loss or hypothalamic amenorrhea, you need between um, 400 and 420 milligrams per day. So hopefully that makes sense. So essentially for runners, <laughs> um, no matter who you are, you know, due to a lot of things, but primarily like sweat loss, um, increased energy needs overall in athletes, 
we probably need more than that. There's not a clear, like established amount per day, which is kind of the point of this series <laughs> is that, you know, we probably need more because we tend to see deficiencies or discrepancies in a lot of the micronutrients that I'm talking about um, by a wide range, basically, of caliber. Um, so it's clear that athletes tend to need more. And it's probably, you know, related to magnesium being involved in energy metabolism, protein synthesis, and also it may decrease oxygen requirements for muscle cells during exercise, which makes it good for physical activity. And that magnesium is linked to ATP, which is the energy molecule used in all activity. So because runners do a lot of activity, um, this might be one of the reasons why we need a little bit more. So in terms of where to get magnesium so that we're making sure we meet the RDA minimally and probably exceed that if we are running and need more. We want to keep our bones and our energy metabolism and our nervous system healthy. Essentially, about 30 to 40% of dietary magnesium is absorbed. So that's a lot higher than um, you know the lower percentages I talked about in the last iron episode. And there are some things in plant-based sources of magnesium, um, typically in ones that involve like higher fiber content that can block absorption a little bit more. But um, overall, magnesium is found in both plant and animal-based foods, um, with a lot more of it coming from plant-based foods. So just to give you a couple like source ideas, and I'm going to go into like a high magnesium breakfast example as well to help you meet the RDA. Um, pumpkin seeds, chia seeds, and almonds and cashews, um, if you do about an ounce of any of those, have anywhere between 74 and 156 milligrams of magnesium per serving with pumpkin seeds having the highest. Um, if we look at half a cup of cooked spinach, there's 78 milligrams in there, and it's very similar among other leafy greens. If we look in a quarter cup of peanuts, um, we've got about 63 milligrams, or for two tablespoons of my favorite peanut butter, we've got 49 milligrams. In black beans, we've got about 60 milligrams in half a cup, and there's also a good deal of iron in there. So, you know, Nutrition's really synergistic and you know there's not just magnesium in these foods there's also fiber and other micronutrients that are going to benefit us so having like a lot of plant-based foods in your diet and also incorporating high quality animal-based products if you are not a vegan or vegetarian athlete um, are going to give us a lot of micronutrients so just having you know a good variety in these things can help and also eating enough in general. Again, if we are in a calorie restriction, whether it is intentional or unintentional, we are going to be likely in a micronutrient restriction as well. So that's why those are not recommended for long periods of time. So going into um, tap water, because I get asked often, well, there's minerals in like tap water, or you know, I buy the smart water and it's got electrolytes in it, or at least it says um, typically there's not super high amounts of minerals in mineral water. I know, shocking. Um, and also amounts can vary quite a bit in our tap water. And a lot of it just has to depend on like where you live. But just to give you an idea, magnesium and tap water can vary widely from between one milligram of magnesium per liter of water, which is like not much at all, <laughs> to 120 milligrams of magnesium per liter of water, which is quite a bit. So kind of depends on where you live. So if you do get like a water analysis report at all from your town or county, that might be something that you can just check on and see, you know, what your soil and therefore water is like. Now, talking about 
um, a high magnesium breakfast. This is just an example. So if we did half a cup of oats, which has 36 milligrams, a banana, yeah, the whole thing, which has 32 milligrams, an ounce of chia seeds, which has 111 milligrams, um, and we make the oats with maybe half a cup of soy milk, which is about 30 milligrams, or regular milk, which is about 15 milligrams. And we do like two tablespoons of peanut or almond butter on top, which is probably around 50 milligrams. We're at about like 250 to 275 milligrams of magnesium just in our breakfast, which is like three quarters of the way there for the recommended daily amount. So, you know, I want it to seem feasible <laughs> for you to meet the recommended daily amount. So again, just choosing foods intentionally. And you'll notice that this breakfast is, you know, chock full with the Fit Cookie 4. There's color in there, there's fiber, there's carbohydrates, and there's also protein and fat. Um, you know, this is a way that we can make everything fit in. So um, if you're looking to add more magnesium rich foods to your diet, and you probably should, um, you know, really focus on maybe looking up, you know, lists of food based sources and add a couple to your shopping list this week. So now I want to get into what happens if we're not getting enough magnesium and who's at risk the most. But first, let's hear a word from our sponsor, which is super relevant, which is Inside Tracker. Whether you run, ride, hike, or swim, you understand what it means to push harder, reach farther, and go the extra mile. This relentless drive runs in your blood. That's why Inside Tracker provides you with a personalized plan to build endurance, boost energy, and optimize your health for the long haul, which is what we're all about here. Created by leading scientists in aging, genetics, and biometrics, Inside Tracker analyzes your blood, DNA, and fitness tracking data to identify where you're optimized and also where you're not, especially when it comes to between different training cycles and in different stages of your life. You'll get a daily action plan with personalized guidance on the right exercise, nutrition, and supplementation for your unique body. And when you connect Inside Tracker with your Fitbit or your Garmin, you can also unlock real-time recovery pro tips after you complete your workout. Just kind of like having your own coach in your pocket. Pretty cool. For a limited time, Fit Cookie Nutrition podcast subscribers can get 20% off the entire Inside Tracker store. Just go to insidetracker.com forward slash fit cookie to get 20% off. And you guys, this is a really cool opportunity for you to potentially check your blood so that if you are learning about this micronutrient series within this podcast episode, you can just test your blood and see where you're at and then take some of these recommendations that Inside Tracker provides to heart to get you optimized. Now let's get back to the episode. All right. So the NHANES, um, which is a nationwide study that was done in 2016 last, found that essentially 48% of Americans don't seem to get enough magnesium uh, through their diet. So um, one thing I always like to point out is that I like to use these big statistics that are nationwide um, as a data point. But also, I know that the population who's likely listening to this podcast, you know, probably, you know, is on an athletic journey, they're probably pretty active, maybe they're training for something specific. And my point here is that you guys, you're probably more active than the general population. Um, and these data points really do reflect the general population. So I'm trying to, you know, <clears throat> you know, have us be aware of what the general population in the United States is exposed to, and therefore struggles with, 
but also know that as a very specific breed of human, you runners, you, um, you know, we may struggle with even more specific things and they might be different than what the general population struggles with. So I hear very often, oh, like, you know, at least half of Americans aren't getting enough magnesium, which, yeah, that's true. Um, but, you know, I know that a lot of people who I work with and who probably follow me and listen to this podcast are very health conscious and probably are trying to make sound decisions. And you may or may not get enough magnesium. You know, we don't really know. So we'll talk about how to test and, you know, what to look for at the end and know that incorporating more magnesium rich foods isn't going to hurt you. Um, so that's always something that, you can be doing. So, um, you know, I always like to drop the other stat that's like, well, less than 1% of the American population runs marathons. So, um, you know, again, very specific breed of human I'm talking to here. Hey, everyone. Um, nice to meet you and welcome to the crazy club. But essentially, if we have like a magnesium deficiency, um, you know, it's something that is hard to measure. Um, and, and it doesn't happen quickly because, our kidneys are always trying to, you know, limit urinary excretion of magnesium. Um, so it's not super common. And essentially, kind of like calcium, if our blood magnesium is starting to get low, um, it's so key that our blood magnesium stays at homeostasis and stays within range so that our heart and muscles contract properly, um, that if there's not enough magnesium in the diet, your body's going to pull any mineral deposits from your bones in order to keep blood in the clear, essentially, so that your heart keeps beating because your body's really trying to look out for you there. Because um, you can't do much if your heart's not beating. So essentially, blood work can be a tricky thing when it comes to measuring magnesium deficiencies. But first, let's just talk about some early signs and symptoms so that um, you can just get familiar with those. And again, like in all of these episodes, a lot of these are going to overlap with the deficiency symptoms of other micronutrients. So these could be things like low appetite, nausea, fatigue. Um, and these are things that are also something I hear from runners a lot of the time, especially like after maybe a longer, harder or hotter run. Um, and that can be related to dehydration and magnesium is an electrolyte. So do the math, <laughs> um, you know, rehydrating during and after your runs with electrolytes, including sodium, potassium, magnesium, um, and chloride, which they're all bound to typically in those formats, um, can help prevent some of these symptoms. But chronically, you know, if we're having a magnesium deficiency issue, low appetite, nausea, fatigue, weakness, numbness, tingling, muscle cramps. And if it ex um, excels and kind of gets to more of a severe deficiency, we can see seizures, abnormal heart rhythms, um, and other issues that are essentially related to electrolyte balance. So when we talk about who's at risk, like I said, if you've been on a restrictive diet or if you just haven't eaten enough in general, whether it's intentional or unintentional, in particular, if you're on like a lower carbohydrate diet, because magnesium is a mineral found in a lot of carbohydrate rich foods. So if you're doing low carb, keto, paleo, you might be a little bit more at risk. Um, athletes as well, because we tend to need more. If you do take a hormonal birth control pill, there is some research to show that it can deplete um, a lot of nutrients, um, including magnesium. So this can also, um, I want to do a caveat too, like the studies that show this haven't necessarily controlled for like women who are on the birth control pill and their diets. Um, so we don't know, you know, if their diets are 
similar to those who are not on the birth control pill. And it's really hard to control for diet in large populations. But um, I do like to mention that because there is some research to show that magnesium can be a nutrient of concern if you are taking a hormonal contraceptive. If you have any GI conditions um, or have had GI surgery where there's malabsorption happening, whether it's gastric bypass, weight loss surgery, um, or maybe you have celiac disease, Crohn's, IB, IBD, IBS, um, ulcerative colitis, those types of things um, can cause malabsorption of a lot of micronutrients. So magnesium can be of concern there. Um, if you have kidney disease, um, or just poor kidney function, you can actually be at risk for too much magnesium because your kidneys may not be great at getting rid of magnesium through the urine. If you have alcohol dependence um, or history of alcohol or drug abuse, you may be more susceptible to magnesium deficiency. Um, if you are an older adult or elderly, or again, if you're someone who um, maybe isn't eating a ton of variety, um, that can be the case. Certain medications and supplements can also um, kind of block magnesium absorption or interact. So bisphosphonates that can treat things like osteoporosis um, are one of those drug classes. Antibiotics, diuretics, or proton pump inhibitors for reflux can also deplete or interact with magnesium. I also don't recommend taking your iron supplement with your magnesium supplement because that can also block magnesium absorption. So a lot of things to consider here. Another thing I want to mention too, is that there are certain conditions where we see magnesium deficiencies more common and we don't necessarily know you know, if there's causation or just correlation, um, or if it's like a chicken and egg situation, are you deficient because you have the condition or did you maybe develop the condition or other symptoms because of the deficiency? Um, those are involved in type two diabetes, um, and also people who suffer from migraines. Um, and I do want to mention magnesium and headaches, magnesium and migraines. That's a big one that a lot of like wellness or natural like type practitioners like myself, um, I'll put myself in that category, <laughs> like to kind of point at. Um, but we do have essentially research um, claiming that like higher doses of magnesium supplementation therapy, like two times 300 milligrams per day, for example, which is very much above the recommended daily amount, it might help um, with symptoms from migraines or reducing migraines. However, our research literally, and I quote, says magnesium therapy is probably effective. <laughs> so we don't really know that it's effective, but it might help. So if you are someone who suffers from migraines and you are like, oh, maybe I should look into this, please work with your healthcare provider because I'm going to talk about why taking too much magnesium, especially from supplements, can be problematic in a minute. So that is kind of what you want to look for in terms of deficiency symptoms and who's going to be at risk. So when we talk about magnesium supplements um, and what happens if we're getting too much, because we're probably not going to get too much of most nutrients through diet alone, unless we're just like having you know, or we're really intentional about something that we're doing or we're overdoing it. Because as we know, supplements are not regulated by the FDA, um, like our food is. And we don't always know that's what, what is in supplements um, is what the label says. So it's much easier for someone to pop way too many pills, you know, of magnesium than it is to eat way too much spinach, if you know what I mean. So if we get too much magnesium, the 
Um, symptoms are kind of similar, honestly, to if we don't get enough. So that can be confusing, which is why it's helpful to test. But hypotension, nausea, vomiting, retention of your urine, so you can't pee, um, and even depression can be symptoms of too much magnesium, along with, you know, more serious things like cardiovascular events and uh, death. So that's not what anyone wants. <laughs> um, and I want to talk a little bit about magnesium supplementation and like what um, forms they come in, what forms of magnesium and some potential side effects. And again, this is not individualized advice. Um, please work with your healthcare provider um, or your sports dietitian, um, you know, to fine tune this to yourself. But there's a lot of different forms of magnesium that come in supplements. Um, what I like to use in my practice um, are magnesium glyconate and then also magnesium citrate. Um, in a lot of my clients, magnesium glyconate um, is one of my favorites because it doesn't have as many laxative effects. So for runners, you know, a lot of us are concerned about not having runner's trot issues while we're running or GI distress. So I try to pick supplements that are well tolerated and least likely to have that adverse reaction for my runners because we don't need our bowels to be looser if we already have a problem with that. Um, so glyconate is one of my favorites because it can help improve sleep in some research um, and it is less likely to contribute to GI distress. Whereas magnesium oxide, citrate, and carbonate, um, especially in high doses, are most likely to cause like diarrhea and have a laxative effect. Like if you think of Miralax, like that's magnesium. <laughs> so um I do like to use magnesium citrate because it's readily available um, and well absorbed as a supplement, but it can have some laxative effects. So I tend to only use that with people who don't seem to notice that reaction or maybe who do struggle with constipation as a potential alternative. Um, and I'm not recommending like laxative use on this podcast right now. I want to make that very clear. Um, but again, if we already know we need more magnesium and we happen to have some of those conditions, it might be a, a good option to use if we're not able to get more of it through food. Um, and again, we're going to find a lot of different types in our electrolyte supplements and sports drinks. Um, what I tend to find is that Magnesium isn't one of the biggest electrolytes lost in sweat. Yes, we do lose it in sweat. It is an electrolyte, but we really just want to pay more attention to sodium, especially when it comes to um, what we're losing in sweat and what we need to replace through sports drinks um, and then potassium secondary. And then if there's magnesium in it too, that's great. But if you are getting enough through your diet um, or even through like supplementation, you know, throughout the course of the day, we don't necessarily need to think about your sports drink needing to have a ton of magnesium in it. Because also if it does, you may experience GI distress, because typically magnesium glyconate is not the kind that's found in sports drinks. Um, it's typically magnesium oxide or carbonate or citrate. So um, a lot of sports drinks like Scratch Labs, for example, do have some magnesium in them. And that's totally fine. Um, but I don't want you to think like, oh, my sports drink absolutely needs to have magnesium in it. If you are getting enough through your diet, you should be just fine. So um, when it comes to, should I take a supplement? How do I know if I'm getting too much or too little? Maybe I have some of those symptoms, but they overlap with so many other things. So, you know, what do I do? <laughs> um, it is actually really hard to test magnesium because a lot of our magnesium is found in our bones and our tissues, and there's not 
a really good way <laughs> to test that throughout the body. Um, the gold standard for testing magnesium is to do um, essentially a magnesium loading test where you essentially, um, you know, have your urine checked over the course of 24 hours. Um, but that's really inconvenient. Not a lot of physicians do it. And we can actually test blood. But again, if you're having symptoms and you're not sure you get the RDA through your diet and your blood work comes back normal or maybe on the fence, it might still be worth, you know, checking in with a sports dietitian or your healthcare provider to do something about that. Um, Inside Tracker, who sponsors this episode, thank you, tests two different types of magnesium, which is why I really like this particular blood panel. Um, and they test the two types of magnesium in their ultimate plan, and that is serum magnesium and red blood cell magnesium. And why I like that they also test red blood cell magnesium is because it's a little bit more sensitive because when our, you know, if our serum magnesium, which is basically the magnesium in our bloodstream, is starting to go down. Like I said, our body's going to start pulling magnesium from other places to keep that as normal as possible. Because if it's not normal, we essentially go into cardiac arrest and that's bad. So <laughs> um, by testing red blood cell magnesium, a lot of the times if serum magnesium is low, it'll pull magnesium from red blood cells. Um, so if that biomarker appears to be low or not optimized, that can be like an initial sign that maybe something's happening with our magnesium levels. So that's why I tend to like um, that particular blood test um, together to test magnesium levels. So that is kind of one thing that you can do to test your magnesium levels. But again, it's not there's nothing like that's totally accurate that we've developed besides that urine test, which is currently the gold standard. And even then it's not perfect to test for magnesium. So that was a lot of information. Um, I really hope you guys learned something from this episode. So really to sum it up, you know, magnesium is the fourth most abundant mineral in the body. It's found in bones, tissues, and our bloodstream. But you know, to test our levels, we can check red blood cell magnesium and serum magnesium, especially on the inside tracker ultimate test, or you can ask your doctor for those two particular tests um, in your own research of wanting to test all your different micronutrients. Um, if you can do a urine loading test with magnesium, that is the gold standard. And if you are experiencing symptoms like fatigue, muscle cramps, um, if you're having trouble sleeping, if you get, you know, headaches, um, if you get nausea, vomiting, you know, it might be worth looking into making sure you're well hydrated with electrolytes that include sodium, potassium, and magnesium, and also fluids, um, and also get more magnesium through your diet. Um, that's really going to be the gold standard here, because we do have studies showing that supplementing magnesium doesn't necessarily always improve sports performance. The research is really mixed, um, and there's animal and human-based research, but basically it it might help. It probably won't hurt. I think there was one study that showed it could hurt strength performance by supplementing, um, like really close to a strength workout, but basically getting it through food is going to be best. <laughs> so looking up those magnesium rich foods, which of course, if you've gotten your blood work done through inside tracker, they will give you a wonderful list of foods that you can choose from and make meals out of and add to your grocery list. So hopefully you enjoyed this episode please give the show a rating and review. If you did make it five stars for good karma. And until next time, guys, eat your magnesium rich foods and happy running.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.